You're listening to Tapestry, a podcast by music lover for music lovers. I'm your host, Kelly. Music is a thread that weaves a course throughout our lives. Join me on a journey to unravel that thread and bring you the stories behind what inspires musicians to create. Side note, Tapestry is an uncensored podcast. Don't say I didn't warn you. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 64 of Tapestry. Today I'm joined by Mike Campanelli and Kyle Weaver, who together embody the genre-defying band known as Siberia. They describe Siberia's sound as trash metal, but to me it's safe to say that this Delaware County, Pennsylvania band has a lot more in store than just garbage. Kyle and Mike spoke with me about their upcoming album Revive, experiences in musical theater and music education, their forward-thinking approach to writing, the old-school punk ethos, and many more fascinating looks into their writing process. You're listening to a little snippet of their track, Living Dead. And Mike, uh, just go ahead and introduce yourself so everybody can hear who is who, and we'll go from there. Uh, I'll go first, I guess. <clears throat> uh, sure. My name is Kyle Weaver. I uh, am the bass player for Siberia. Um, I have been involved in music since um, pretty much as far as I can remember in one form or another. I was in the... Uh, Growing up, I had two musically inclined parents. They weren't professional musicians, but they grew up playing music. So they kind of instilled that on me. And, uh, you know, from like the five-year-old church choir all the way up to picking up the a, a trombone was actually my first wind mm-hmm. instrument that I played. And then learned bass guitar, uh, then picked up tuba. And then, um, but now bass guitar is sort of the, the main focus kind of post-college and post-school career just what i what i focus on playing now all right and then mike how about you um my name is mike campanelli um i'm probably the same like full-time musician guy you know i have my own teaching my own school teaching um do a lot of theater pit work i was in marching band in jazz band wind ensemble uh studied music in college um yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't know anything else really. I'm pretty smart about music stuff, but not much else. <laughs> no. Okay, so take it you've been doing this for basically your whole life as well. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, COVID was just a giant kick in the balls for anybody that was full time musician. Yeah. Um, I got absolutely crushed. Uh, all my, you know, all my teaching clients went away. Like, oh well, we'll. We'll come back when when this COVID thing's over. Uh, sure, <laughs> so still, still waiting you know. for them, I'm sure. Right, so all the all the gigs go away. You can't sell any merch because you're not playing, and uh, you can't do any theater shows because the theater's empty. So you can't do that either. Uh, yeah, the last the last show I was scheduled to do, um, they did it in an empty theater. Oh, that's so freaking sad. Yeah, and they couldn't even record it or live stream it 
because the rights management of theater is is it's screwy, you know. Yeah. And they were just going to be like, "Screw it, we'll do it anyway," and they didn't. They didn't do that because they were terrified of being and, and yeah. like, you know, right? Because right. yeah. when you when you say show in this case, you're talking about like a full on theater performance, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll do like I'm trying to get Kyle in this now. Um, he's going to get into it in August, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll typically do um, like pit orchestra work for the- like community theater, semi-pro theater, pro theater, high schools, anybody with a budget, really. Like high schools around here are big on theater, so they'll hire all pros to be in the in the orchestra. Instead of the kids? Instead of the kids, yeah. Yeah. Really? Okay, and also, just to back up a step, when you are talking about here now, you guys are both in Delaware County, PA, correct? Uh, I was like, hmm? Uh, Mike is in Delaware County, or Delco, as as, uh, we like to call it. And I'm in... I'm technically in Montgomery County, um, okay. but I'm, I'm border Montgomery and Chester both, County, which is, yeah, it's all Southeast both in PA. Eastern, both in Eastern PA. Okay. Just wanted to make sure that yeah. you were saying something about Texas for a second, Mike. And I was like, oh God, do they record all this stuff remotely? I was like, no, 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 that's not. No, no, no. I was just thinking Texas as far as like, they're, you know, they're really into drumline. They're really into marching band and, and football and, and pep they band. They sure freaking are. <laughs> Yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah, no, uh, we're, the, cult, the culture of that's different here. You were talking about Crossman um, being big because it gets, it used to be, I think, based out of Reading or Westchester. I can't quite remember. I can't remember. Like yeah, um, but then they moved over to Texas. I think Austin. I'm not. I'm not. I actually sure. entirely forgot that that happened. Like yeah. I used to be a big drum corps fan back in the day, and I used to keep tabs on all that stuff. But then they rearranged the. Uh, the the world class and the open class from like the the division one two three and then i just kind of like i was you know too old for that stuff at that point i think but um that's interesting though to think that like you know regionally obviously everybody has different needs musically but the fact that in southeastern pa your high schools are paying big bucks to have professionals come in and do their theater shows yeah Yeah. it's it's super busy right now I remember um, even like when I was in high school, um, like they would, I thought it was just really weird, but they would hire like, it was like a full pro like pit. And I, you know, cause like I always, you know, would think that, Oh, musical it's, it's the high school students in the high school production and the, and the high school band helps too, or the high school orchestra or whatever, but like they full out full pit, it was all professionals. And, and um, it's kind of, it's kind of weird to know that that's the, that's the norm out here. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. not like that in the western side of the state over here. Uh, funny <laughs> enough, Kyle, the only time I ever picked up a tuba was I played tuba for one song in Beauty and the Beast my senior year, just to play the Gaston number, <laughs> you know, the oompas. And I basically had to like sit it behind my chair the entire time. Like I, I, I swear to you, I only knew the notes that were in that piece. That's it. That's all I could do. <laughs> It is but, tuba. It's not the hardest, you know. There were music like five notes. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds right. sounds about right. Yeah. The hardest wow. part is probably just moving a damn thing around. Honestly, oh, it yeah. For yeah. for an eleventh grader or twelfth grader, yeah, that was. But um, okay, so you guys both have a, a pretty similar background, but in some ways, it sounds very different. Um, how how did Siberia come to be? Because based on what Kyle sent 
me, Mike. Uh, it's been around since 2011 or so. And then I know you've only, Kyle, just joined in the last two years. So how did this whole project start? Uh, I was in, I was at Temple and uh, I was going back and forth to L.A. and doing work with a friend of mine that moved out there. Um, and I was looking for something to do local. Before that, I was in a punk band uh, and those guys were just completely insane. <laughs> We, we were just talking about that today because um, Dobbs on South Street closed again. So Dobbs is like a pretty famous club. Like, uh, oh, okay. You know, Tool played there. Nirvana played there. All these like up and coming. It's ba- like like sort of like CBGBs in New York. Oh, yeah. So it's, that's, that's, like, that's like where the people who end up taking off play first. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it, it's, I mean, South Street used to have a really big music culture where you could go there pretty much any night of the week and see bands playing. And it was even crazier in the eighties. And, and when, I mean, when I was coming up, I would hear stories from people yeah. older than me where they were like, yeah, we would like not even promote the show. And there'd be people in line waiting for people to leave because they were at capacity. So that's I mean, a whole nother world. Yeah. I mean, the culture's totally changed. Like, like, you know, a lot of those clubs closed, um, but late, 2000s there were still enough of them to, to go and work like every week and play like two or three different clubs i think it was closed then but it, it keeps getting bought and sold and bought and sold and something happens and uh so i was looking for something to do with guys who weren't as insane as those guys <laughs> uh they they were really really crazy and 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 they're all nice guys mike the mike trash as the, the drummer i still talk to him uh but yeah, that's, that's that's a nickname for a stable, well-adjusted human being, Mike Trash. No. <laughs> he, well, he was called Mike Vomit, <laughs> but he Even met better. another guy named Mike Vomit, and he was like, "Well, I can't. I have to change my name now." Town ain't big <laughs> enough for the two of us. Yeah, yeah. So we, I, I knew John the drummer uh, forever because we did a project before that. So we, and then Derek was another guy, a uh, bass player who we were friends with from ever and ever. So we just started doing this thing and we started writing songs and you know how it goes. And then we start playing shows. And, uh, the first show we ever did, um, I had kidney stones the night before. No, yeah, I did the show anyway. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awesome. Did you write a song about that experience? You should. No, you no oh. it would just be like, I hate being alive, you know, <laughs> it would be an awful but yeah, God. you know, and, and, you know, the same thing that the zeitgeist of like the places around here that we play and the bands has like pretty much changed completely in 10 years. And, the, and even the members have come and gone and everything else. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it sounds are. like you're the, you're the only like consistent, you, you are Siberia basically at this point, you are the original guy who's kind of the mouthpiece and then you just bring other people in. I, right? I don't think, I don't think that that's fair. I think that, um, like Kyle is like a really good musician and a very like well-rounded person where I'm like very short with people when they, when they, when they push my button, he'll, he'll tell yeah. you. And he's like, so even it's such a nice thing. Cause I'm not that way at all. <laughs> well, you need, every band needs balance. Every band truly does need balance. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Cause that was the same case in my, my previous band, like, um, the asylum effect. Yeah, Asylum Effect, okay. yeah. Um, is the, uh, just, like, th- their personalities were just, just kind of, like, 
way more extreme where it's just mm-hmm. I, was, I was more like the grounded base like yeah you're a very grounded person yeah i want to call it the moral compass but it was it was just more like mm, is that the best idea like do we really want to do that? and they're just like ah yeah sure like fuck okay. it like <laughs> i think like for me you know and it's a problem for me is like i just I, I, I have a lot less patience now for, for people who are just not authentic or like with it. They're yeah. just like, like the whatever flim flammy or, or just not honest or I just, I just have so little tolerance anymore. And it's that's, probably just cause I'm reasonable all the time. And I'm just, I'm just like, I just don't, I just, <sighs> yeah. Uh, no, well, like I, I'm in a new band and I'm going through the same thing. And like, I, you know, I didn't think I'd ever understand it. Cause I talk to musicians constantly. That's why I do these interviews. I love to get people's perspective. And I was like, it'll be different when I go through it. And I'm like, no, the shit's all the same. You, it's you all meet, the same. Yeah. You know, you get, you get these flaky people, you get people that don't show up, you get people that don't come prepared. They tell you one thing, they do another. And it's just, it's like endlessly frustrating, but you know, you've been you've been doing this for basically your whole life, both of you, for different time spans. There's obviously a reason that you keep going and you keep doing it. it, it you know? It's I always thought that like when I started working in more professional settings, that it would change. That that mm-hmm. meant, it doesn't change at all. Nope. Wow. Even in the even in the conservatory in 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 big like Walnut Street Theater, like big places, it's the same thing. You That's- have very unfortunate to hear it's 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 sad it's just like it's it's an inevitable like truth of artists is like being a musician or an artist or whatever is like there's a very flaky you know uh outer shell of people like and they're just as talented sometimes they're even more talented or you know like more creative more whatever but they just can't get it together like for whatever reason yeah right yeah, no, it, that that does kind of lead me to, to ask you guys, I want to dig into a little bit more about the history of the band itself, because I guess I still don't really know how you two individuals met, but, um, and I want to hear that, but Siberia to me has, you know, from what I've listened to has like a pretty massive range of differing influences, and it's certainly chaotic at times. So that's kind of cool to hear that, like, for both of you who can as you say, get your shit together, you can manage to create this like extremely chaotic and all over the place art that's inspired by all over the place stuff, but it sounds so structured, you know? Yeah, that was, um, it's kind of neat to go through sort of like the back catalog on, uh, on Spotify, just to listen to like the older stuff, because like every single album seems to have, like, you can kind of hear, it's you can just hear like you know what like oh this sounds cool let's make a song this way and then mm-hmm. you know as like time goes on you kind of hear that that evolution and like it doesn't really it's it's not like it's not thrash metal it's not death metal it's not you know new metal or whatever like they it, it's it kind of constantly kind of ebbs and flows and as to what it is um which i've, I've always found kind of neat because it's it's like it doesn't pin you down to like because <clears throat> that was the thing that i i kind of struggled with in my previous band was that it's like, it has to be, you know, technical death metal or yeah. So it's, so it's like, it's, it's kind of like, it's not that they're pigeonholed there, but just sometimes if you want to write something that's not tech death, it's like, okay, well, that's a cool idea, but it's not, doesn't really like fit into it. So you'd have to like drop some of those ideas, but, um, 
but it, it is kind of nice where there's not that kind of restriction in this band that you can kind of kind of do what you want and as long as it just sounds good it's like okay let's let's try to do something with it and and you know make something out of it that's definitely the impression I got from listening to a couple of things. I, and I, for a person who gets bored easily, that was really a treat to listen to because it feels <laughs> like it feels like this is a project where you guys just kind of park your ideas and go, what the hell? We're just going to give it a try. Pretty much. I mean, I, I mean, to, to, to their like, you know, got, bands who are like, it has to be this cookie cutter thing. It's probably easier to listen to if that's what you're there to hear. If it's like I'm only interested in you know prog metal, then we got we got it for you. We got we got right. your take right here. You know, um, I, I tend to just not write that way. I don't I don't I don't know. Uh, I, if you put like a gun to my head, I probably couldn't remember half the songs on those records. The older like, ones, yeah, like the I mean, 2012, if, the self-titled. Yeah, if we if we like went out and had a job next week, and they were like, yeah, you have to play all the songs from you know, the first record or we're going to, you know, burn your house down. I'd, I'd just be like, here's the matches. Like <laughs> I can't remember any of that stuff. I mean, if like once in a while we'll get like an inkling to kind of dig it up and then like, you have to like teach it to yourself. Like I'm not, yeah. typically it, what it's been, I mean, since before COVID, well, this new record's kind of a different story because COVID put a big boot in it. But mm-hmm. uh, typically it's like the second the record's done, on to the next one. Like, yeah. Never play these songs again unless someone asks us to that, you know, is offering us to put us somewhere. Or we that's need kinda, more songs to fill in a, a time slot. Yeah, as I was gonna say, that's kind of interesting. So if <laughs> are you, I know that you two are the only permanent members right now, but and also coming out of COVID, I don't know how many gigs you've had, but how does that work for playing live shows? You're like, all right, it's all the new stuff. We'll probably do. I mean, I'm not going to speak to him. We haven't really figured this out because we're still figuring out to getting the record finished and promoting it. But uh, yeah, we'll probably do six, seven shows and then I'll immediately start writing other stuff and we'll start working it out. Yeah. COVID just really screwed everything up. I mean, and that's just such a shitty thing to say because it's like, who cares about our dumb band? But like it screwed up everybody's lives. Yeah. Yeah. the, The ripples of how many ways it screwed them up is just crazy. You know, anybody that had theater work on a contract, you know, got friends of mine, you know, moved to New York to do Broadway and get an apartment. And then they're, they're just fucked. Yeah. You know, they're screwed. They had this massive thing they can't pay for, you know, I'm finally going to get to work like, you know, for real or whatever. And, and and we knew people who, you know, spent a bunch of money to make a record. Now they can't sell it. Yep. They're just sitting on it. And, and there's a really fine, it's like, it's like milk. Like there's a really fine set amount of time that there's a lot of like interest in the milk. Yeah. And then after a while, the milk goes bad and it's like, it's not even fun to play this shit anymore for me. Like it's not even, mm-hmm. it's not even like fun to do it. Cause we've just done it so much. So COVID's really screwed that up. And then finding members and finding a drummer and, getting them on board and, and the personalities and, and then, okay, let's get them, let's get some shows booked. Let's see if we can do that. And then it's just this big circle. So, right. You know, like I can't wait to write more stuff. I'm, I'm happy, super happy that this is done and I'm, I'm super happy with how it turned out and how we did it and all that. And this meaning revive your upcoming record, correct? Yeah. 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 So let me circle back. Speaking of circles, 
you two individuals, how did you guys meet? And how did you how did you pitch this band, Mike, to Kyle? How did you get him to join? Uh, <laughs> Probably uh, here. I, I think... <laughs> I can't remember who posted it, but it was a Craigslist ad. Actually. Yeah, probably. I've probably had, John did it, right? I think John. Yeah, John, the former drummer. Um, yeah. He. It's funny. The only two like bands that I have joined like full time have all been through Craigslist. Like I don't know how. Same. Same with us. It happens. It, it, it's it seems to be the most like consistent way to to find at least people who are semi serious on trying to find people because like I've tried to I've tried Facebook groups and stuff like that. They suck. Yeah. You never yeah. get anywhere with this. Because it's like, like you'll talk to someone, they'll be like, oh, yeah, we need a bass player or whatever. It's like, yeah, I play bass. Like, oh, what are your influences? Like, oh, it's this, that, and the other thing. And they're like, okay, that's cool. Like, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll reach out whenever it's, you know, we can have a have a practice. And then just like it never goes anywhere. And you respond like, hey, what about this? It's like, oh, we're not looking for a bass player anymore. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Like, mm-hmm. I'm glad I was, you know, keeping tabs on this for, for three weeks. And, you know, but <laughs> it, yeah, it seems like, like, like you get ahead. like uh, maybe one out of 20 people. Decent. Even, even I would use bad mix too. We, yep. I, we just started. And, and same thing. It would be like that. one out of 20, maybe even higher percentage that, you get a response and then you talk to them one way or the other and like have it move in any kind of direction. Just correct. You know, and, and, and ugh, what a, what a frustrating mess that is. So yeah. Kyle, you must've fought, you didn't even have to fight your way in. You probably just like showed up and looked like you'd shower in the last two days and brought a bass and knew how to play it. <laughs> Literally just, I, I, I brought my stuff to the practice space and like I, I, re- I practice the songs for like maybe two weeks or whatever. And then we like play through it. I thought I didn't do very well, but then it was just like, once we kind of like went through like the three songs that I kind of knew, yeah. I was like, all right, this is how it's going to work. And then he was just telling me like, all right, this is, you know, we practice once a week and all and I was like, oh, okay, this is. This okay. Is it. I'm like, in. <laughs> <Congrats>. <laughs> You're in. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, yeah. I feel that. What, um, Kyle, what, what from your perspective really drew you to, you know, the, the stuff that Mike had already had set up. What made you want to join this particular project? Because as you had said, you were in a band when you still lived in Columbus that was, you know, deathcore and technical death metal. That's a pretty granular niche thing going mm-hmm. to something like this that's much more expansive. Yeah, it was... Um, honestly, I was probably surfing on Craigslist. Like when I moved back to the area about about two years ago, um, I brought all like my base equipment over. I was like, well... I might as well do something with this. So I, I was like looking for bands and, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting in this apartment, not, you know, doing anything on the nights. And, you know, so I wanted to fill my time with stuff. So I, I've been, you know, going on the Craigslist for a few weeks um, and just looking at all the postings and uh, there's an amazing amount of uh, boring shit posted on Craigslist as far as like the music projects are. And it's a lot, oh, yes. a lot of cover bands, a lot of eighties, a lot of nineties, a lot of um, Dead. great, a lot <laughs> of grateful dead. That's popular out here. Yeah, um, so many. Yeah. And it's it just, cares? My God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and there were a couple of other, like, cause I heavy metal is my favorite genre just period like if you go on my spotify probably like 95 percent of it is just some form of heavy music or whatever um and that's my favorite to play so i'm, I'm kind of like keeping tabs on on what's there and a lot of the projects that were posted they were just they they're just really bland and just kind of like on 
it's a, a lot of them sound like metalcore from like 2006 um oh, which okay. if you if you kind of like know what that is it's just very formulaic and um like you can basically predict how the chord progression and how the lick is going to go as soon as they play the first like three notes like okay just yeah. you know it's <laughs> um and so whenever i you know, whenever I saw the ad here, I went on, I think it was the reverb page and kind of like listened through some of the stuff. It's like, oh, this is actually doing interesting things. Like it's not just, it's not just like a thrash. It's not just kind of like a heavy, you know, death metal. It's not like a melodic, you know, whatever. It's all kind of like a mix mash of everything. And I thought that was really neat. Um, so then I reached out and they're actually the only band that I seriously reached out to to you know kind of meet up and and do all that so that's what kind of, it's just the uniqueness and yeah. just sort of like not defined inside a sort of niche genre that i kind of liked because i i had i've been in that tech death scene for six or seven years and it's really fun but i, I was kind of getting sick of it you know yeah it's, that's, it's just that's got to be a little exhausting it's, it is. it's very much itself yeah it like it kept my chops up like I, I, I probably don't, my chops aren't what they used to be just because it, you know, that genre of music required me to just be, you know, really technical with it, but, he, but sort of like the musical side of it, it was a little harder to express. And, and here you kind of get more of a, a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. It is a That's delicate it. balance. Cause we have that here where it's like, if, if you don't fit in too much, you've just isolated your entire audience. Right. Right. Yeah. You're there to see a real specific thing. And, uh, you know, and not that, not that we have beef with anybody or anything like that, but it's like, you know, we, we would play shows, this is before Kyle's time, but we play shows with bands that were like completely different than us. And we, and, and either the audience would just like totally like turn their back and stare at their phone the whole time or like just not even be in the room. Yeah. 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 We're not here for this. We're here for, you know, ketchup and mustard or whatever. And I, you know, that's a tough thing. It's it's not an easy thing to, I don't know if it's right or wrong. I mean, this is just how it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My band's very first show was a completely mixed bill. And I would say that was the experience too. Like, you know, some people are, it's, I think it's a pretty rare breed to get a person who is like quite truly as open-minded as they say they are, where they are like, all right, well, I got my ticket. I got my beer. I'm here for the next three hours. I don't care if they're playing, you know, oi punk or heavy metal, or if they're playing, you know, freaking Cajon, I'm going to sit here and watch it. And I don't think most people have that kind of attention span. They kind of go, I want to go see a metal show tonight. I want to go see a country singer tonight. It's such a difficult thing to to do because it, the venue has to has to create that culture yeah or the promoter yeah. or both or, and then the audience has to be receptive to it too so the audience has to be somehow open-minded or convinced that it's cool to be open-minded yeah <laughs> because yeah. this place that has multiple genre shows will provide that for you if you like it so you have to like it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you should like yeah no like, i no, speak, speak to that a little bit more if you don't mind, because I, I like what you said there. It's up to the promoter and the venue to create that culture. But I would say it's almost kind of at odds with how these venues and promoters kind of have to brand themselves. You know, I don't know like what it's like out near Philly and out closer where you guys are, but at least here in Pittsburgh, it's like, oh, I know who to call if I want to book a metal band. I know who to, I'm sure it's the same out there, right? So it's the same. Yeah. I, I think that it's very safe 
financially and and have, as far as getting a draw to book a book three bands that are all the same genre that way their fan base can cross pollinate mm-hmm. right if you yep. if it like you know a couple weeks ago or whatever we we got a, a asked to do a like a like a house party in New Jersey with like a rapper and you know a, a deathcore band and us and like some and like a funk band or something and i'm like that sounds awesome yeah <laughs> bring it on. i'm not gonna be bored yeah you know but that's i think that's more my open-mindedness and the promoter also being like are you okay playing with a rapper i'm like yeah like yeah play with us so i don't have to friggin' sing <laughs> like, shit. no that's a that's a good attitude to have and for a bar you know. a club you know I think that it's, 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 I'm not a club or a bar. If it was, if it was up to me and my bottom line, you know, you, you, I, I see clubs that try to do this. They, they try to cultivate like, okay, one night we have Latin night with a DJ. Another night it's a jazz night. Another night it's, it's metal. Another night it's this, it's that. I don't think it works for them unless you do it for a really long time you know, longer than a year anyway. Yeah. At first, it's just like, well, every night you're here, it's different people. So like, I, I don't know. You know yeah. Like, you kind of, you kind of can't almost build a community around that. I mean, you can, like there's, there's general music lovers. And then I'm sure with both of you being in bands for a long time, you start to see the same people and you, you know, I have all my metalhead friends and I have right. my jazz loving friends, all that type of stuff. Yeah, like I, I don't see, you know, there's like there's a pretty well-known jazz club in Wilmington that I played at. I mean, it's not a jazz club, but it's a, it's a little kind of hole-in-the-wall bar where jazz bands play and kind of like indie bands. I don't see them ever coming out to see us play, even if I offered them like a wheelbarrow full of money, <laughs> uh, just because it would never be their thing, even if one of their friends' bands opened for us. Yeah. You know, because some, some people – like it's it's part of their thing to go to that specific place and drink and see that specific thing like if I'm not going to go to a circus to see a car show you know what I'm uh, saying like yeah so yeah. But, but the idea of a circus you go outside the circus and there's a tent and what and it's already preparing for you that you're at you're there to see something specific that's so very part true. of your mind is already trained that like this is what I'm going to expect when I walk in there's going to be a line and some shit there's going to be a, a, a trapeze act and all that. They got rid of the elephants. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, no more elephants. It's but... going to be a big circle. I'm going to sit on a bench and they're going to have funnel cake. Right. So, <laughs> so, like, so certain bars have that culture. Like, like yeah. certain bars around here have that culture. The place I'm talking about has a culture of people from Delaware in their fifties go there to hear jazz, you know? And, and so that's a really tough problem. I mean, South Street has that problem, you know, because there's no culture now because all the bars closed and, right. and you have to pay $35 to fucking park, you know, but it's a really difficult problem. It's, it's, you know, you have to convince someone to get off their ass, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. you know, and either, either by your music's either really good or you're really good looking or technically good or all those things. <laughs> so right? how, if at all, does this affect anything that you guys do as musicians or you just, you just don't care and just do what you want to do and see where it lands. I don't care at all. Yeah, pretty <laughs> I much. I do not care. 
it, it's it's mostly who will have us, who will tolerate us, you know. And then if they're if they're willing to pay us to to play a show or if they have a show, it's like okay, you know. A lot of the shows that I think all the shows I played at are actually in Delaware because Delaware is like forty five minutes from where I yeah. live. It's 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 immediately south of the city, basically, and, and you're in Delaware. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, it, it it just seems pretty much. Whoever will have us, or will you know pay us? Like okay, yeah, we'll we'll go out there. You know, if you're gonna gonna pay us some some money to go, and um, sometimes the the bill kind of matches. Like it's more heavy metal. Sometimes it's <clears throat> it's a little more of a mishmash. But um, it's, it's it is it is fun to like kind of go even at those mishmash genre shows because you do even if the audience isn't as receptive to it. You know, like I'm a music enjoyer as well. Like I, I just like hearing music, um, especially in a live environment. It's it's way better than just hearing it, you know, on the radio or on, on you know, on speakers or whatever. So, um, but yeah, the, the, those are those are really fun when you just get like kind of crazy genre mix ups, it, even if they may not be the, the best selling, you know, uh, best selling shows they are still really fun to go to. And that's the main reason why I do this is just to have fun. It's not it's not to. To, you know pay my mortgage or anything with like the show money or anything like that so right and i'm and i'm thinking back to what you had said earlier mike about how you you know you, you getting to the age where you just really don't have any tolerance for people who aren't authentic i think that is truly a big thing that i felt when i listened to the single you know kyle had sent me living dead and i was like okay not only i'm pretty sure is this a through composed piece it's you know this whole story in a song I could not pin down what that was other than it was fucking awesome. (laughs) And it had like five different genres in one. It was so cool. And I'm like, this is what my dopamine starved brain needs. Like I, I want to hear people who are just putting whatever they really feel into a cool composition and throwing it out there for someone to listen to. I think that is sorely needed in this musical world. I wouldn't say that we're adversarial, like, fuck, we don't need, you know, I don't care. It's, it isn't like that with or with mm-hmm. me, at least. It, it's really just like, I'm I just cut the bullshit. Yeah. Like, just cut everything that doesn't matter as far as being a musician or, or the scene or all that, all the drama and, and the, the flaky people and, and, you know, no crowds and everything. It's just, it does, none of that stuff matters. What matters is creating things and putting them out there and finishing them. That's it, because that's very hard to do. Yes. It's very, very uh, hard yes. to get people mm-hmm. in the room and agree on things long enough to finish them. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I want to um, speak to your background a little bit here, Mike, because now that I've learned you, you teach music lessons, you have all this theater and, and pit experience. Is guitar still kind of primarily your instrument? Is that what you mostly teach? Uh, I you mostly kinda do teach everything? piano and guitar, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm All right. Mainly a piano player. Oh, okay. I, I guess. I mean, I played piano my whole life. Um, I didn't start playing guitar until I was like fifteen. Which, um, for a lot of guitarists, is like "quote unquote" late. Yeah, it probably yeah. was late, but I made up for it with just nonstop gigging. So there you go. <laughs> I made up for it. But yeah, I, I don't really have, I mean, I, I don't write anything on the guitar. I write it on the piano and then I figure out how to play it on the guitar, which sometimes okay. becomes really tough because they're not even close to the same thing. Um, 
but that's typically how I do things is, is I, I, I found for me, like the best way for me to write is to not use anything at all. And, um, write. What do you mean by that? Well, like I, I think maybe like maybe 2012 around that time, I started really thinking about like how I could write faster because I really wanted Mm -hmm. to do like an album a year. Okay. Either, either an electronic album a year or a metal album or something and just keep having some kind of a thing instead of waiting for inspiration. Yeah. Right. I, I wanted a way to just access that all the time and, and then have a system where it's like, okay, I can do this consistently enough where like I can count on it. Right. Okay. So what I did was um, I read Stephen King's book on writing, which is the best book to read if you want to write music or anything, because it's so simple. OK. Basically, put some time aside and fucking do it. That's it. That's <laughs> That's, it's, is it a one page book? Is it just it could be. Do it okay. it could be a one page book. So so I found for me. And, and again, this is this is what I teach my kids too. the kids that I teach uh, for me. Having the instrument in front of me makes it harder for me to do things. Having a guitar or, or a thing, I, I, I'm much better if I don't have that. And if I just sit in a room for a couple hours and just have white noise to block out my you know neighbors or whatever noise and just write like stream of consciousness – Right. And I'll You're write talking writing lyrics or writing like tablature for notes that are in your head. No, or just writing like free form, like, like, um, okay. I was in, um, union, New Jersey, which is, there's this other band, this cover band that I play with and they're great guys. And, uh, it's, it's far away. So we never rehearse. So it's always really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I've never rehearsed with them. They just gave me this wow. huge list of songs and I showed up and, we j- and he just calls them out. So it's, it's sometimes they're Whoa. not even the same as they are. So it's really fun. <laughs> and uh, we, so I'm at this bar and uh, I'm talking to the bartender and I thought that she was coming on to me. And, uh, I, and, and the bass player came up to me and said, listen, you see that guy over there? Her boyfriend's a bare knuckle boxer. <laughs> That's him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Okay, fine. So – I, I came home and I usually do this on Sundays when uh, when I am in the mode to do this stuff is I just pictured like her life uh, like before and after that moment. Like how did she get there? How did she meet the bare knuckle guy? Why would you date a guy who's a bare knuckle boxer? He didn't really look like much, you know. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so I, and I would just like imagine this entire person. I would completely remove myself, like I'm watching a movie. Hmm. Okay? okay. And I would just write. I would just fill, you know, two hours of of just here's what she's thinking. Here's what color clothes she wears. Here's what her apartment looks like. And then I would just filter that down to like action words. Yeah. And just create a story based on that. And then I would edit it and make the rhyming scheme work and try to make the syllables line up according to the rules of kind of writing like decent lyrics and, yeah. and at least to me. And then I and then I would try to put music to it and then I would marry it to music and then I would write the mu- like write the music in a book like I have a you know, notation book and I would chart it out and then I would throw it at the band. And then whatever yeah. would stick it would stick. And if it didn't stick, we would change it. And then that would be it. I, I, I 
try not to edit too much after that, it either is going to work or it doesn't. You just throw it away. Yeah. I love um, that philosophy because some that, people. That, yeah, that, that's pretty much how I write everything. So is it is it more often than not coming from like an imagined out of body third person experience? Do you, you know, either of you guys really include your own life stories or things you struggle with in your music or not, not that much. It's probably subconscious, but I don't, for me personally, if I try to actually do it that way, it always sucks. Really? <laughs> it always is lame as shit. And, and, I, and it, it, it doesn't come off real to me. It's embarrassing to like do uh, doing it this way, it's probably like, like that example is probably the most concrete one, but most of the time it's me literally just like doing, using like sound to just basically make myself disappear from the, from the situation and just write like whatever I, I tell my kids, um, that you have like a Jekyll and Hyde, like an accountant, basically an accountant personality in, in your mind. And you have like a, like a psycho, like a psychopath. Yeah. And and you need to be able to access both of those people at different times, but never at the same time. <laughs> Nobody wants a psycho accountant. Right. <laughs> no, meaning like you need the psychopath who is like, none of these things fit together. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put them together. I'm going to make a rock into a nuclear bomb or I'm going to like, I need all these things. I just want to experiment and throw, you know, throw ideas. I don't care. And the accountant, the guy who's going to look at that and try to edit it, needs mm-hmm. to be far away. Like he yeah. needs to be so far away from that. He he can come out later. Like he can come out later when something's finished that he can edit. But but when you're not done something, he needs to be gone. Like he needs the guy who's crazy needs to be able to run wild. Like everything that is okay or not okay can be put together. There's no rules. Yeah. Yeah. There's almost like like pre making art and post making art. Like when you're in the moment of it, there there's it has to be gloves off. It, mm-hmm. it, it has to be. I mean, you're never going to get authenticity if you try to shoehorn it in. That does make me feel a lot better though, because a lot of times I write lyrics and then we write music to it. And you know, I, I just was having this discussion with my band over the weekend. It's like, well, how do most bands do it? I don't give a shit how most fans do right. it. Is it working for us or it not? Right. is it not? And that's a hard thing to do, especially with you two guys being the only stable members right now. I, you've, you've got to have that part on lock. And, and then I imagine it's a lot easier to coach what you want if you even have to coach. Hey, drummer, here's what I want you to do. Hey, rhythm guitarist, here's what I want you to do. And I feel like each band, like it, the writing process is like their own because um, – I remember the very, the very first band project that I was ever in was in high school. And um, I, I think back on it, I kind of cringe because it was like, as far as like the music writing process, it was, um, I was much more musically active. Like my brain was just, it kind of knew more of the rules of music and kind of like how things would, would flow a little better. Uh, Cause I was just doing it more often, like in school and whatnot. Um, but I was a major control freak. Like I wanted to like say, all right, drummer, you're doing this. All right, guitarist, you're doing this. Like, all right, singer, like you're, you're going to sing at this part. And then like, it caused like a lot of tension and friction between that. And the project never went anywhere, probably because I was a control freak. And like, I was, I was telling people how to do everything. Um, and then in the other project, it was, um, the asylum effect project that I was at, it was much more, they would 
write the music like they, it's just like this riff sounds cool like let's okay let's build off of this riff and so yeah you would have like seven or eight different pieces and then you just kind of chop them all up and, and like boom there's your song and then it would be the lyricists would would uh or the vocalists rather they would they would hear the song and then they would write whatever they were whatever they would you know whatever fit to them and they they each that we're, we're, we're dealing with drummer issues the other band had vocalist issues like we i think we went through like five or six different vocalists throughout the time Ooh. that i was in there Ugh. yeah and it was yeah. just but like God. each one of them had their own unique process of writing the lyrics um and here i still haven't i haven't been in long enough to where we're kind of like writing new stuff but it just each band needs to find their own way to do it it's not like yeah well you know like periphery does it this way it's like great periphery is an amazing band and they have a lot, bunch of talented people we're not periphery or like we're not <laughs> yeah. the, the other local band we're not metallica we're not all these people like we're our own and it, we need to figure it out it's it's what my rhythm guitarist always says he's like look we like chevelle a lot okay mm-hmm. chevelle inspires us well, we're not Chevelle. Like right. Chevelle is a bunch of professional musicians who tour, who have sixty thousand dollars worth of guitars or something that they mm-hmm. can access at any time, that they can sit and stop what they're doing to work on music. You guys with full time jobs doing this for fun do not have that kind of time. So you have to be efficient and you have to do what works. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. it's it's different for everybody. Um and it's definitely like not the most normal way for me is like, <laughs> like people that I've explained this to, uh, and I, and I explain it to everybody because they're always like, well, how do I write consistently? Well, this is what works for me. You have to get your, get your head out of your ass. Yeah. You know, and, and remove yourself from it. Uh, or, you know, again, like, like the book says, as long as you just have the ability to put the time aside to do it and mm-hmm. finish it, then you can be, you will get better over time. You, you cannot judge what's good. You're, you're too up your own ass about the thing. So there's no point in yes. that. So you could just assume it's bad. If that's what you're afraid of it being like, like, you know, fear of not writing something good stops a lot of people. Absolutely. It's 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 going to be bad. So here, that problem's solved already. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's going to be bad. You can't judge. The only thing that can judge if something's good, like really significantly good, is time. Mm, the stuff we well think said. is good now will never be. Like half of it won't be remembered in fifty years, sixty, you know, hundred years. Like yeah. you have no idea what you know what what will can be considered like relevant. And won't be considered like flash in the pan. There's a lot of stuff that I see that I don't understand. It seems like a like a fluke or or a, like a like a fad. Uh, but who am I to say? Like, unless I'm yeah. going to live to be 200, like I'll never know. Correct. Um, I was. I want to. I want to mention. You know, one other thing about the like. When do you consider a song done? But before I forgot to to go over it, um, the list of your band's influences that you sent me is perhaps the wildest list of things <laughs> I've seen together, including <laughs> Gigi Allen, Typo Negative, Crowbar, Meshuggah, and then my favorite edition on this is Debussy. He's my <laughs> like, favorite. I mean, I guess that makes sense. You're you're a piano player, but I was just like, wow, that's a russian roulette of things that influence you he's my absolute favorite what makes him your favorite 
Well, I mean, there's so many things. There's so many reasons. After, and this is, I mean, these things repeat themselves in time, but after Beethoven's death, composers had, you know, uh, like two choices. They could write like they could, they could write like Beethoven and try to make that better, or they could completely not be like him. Good right? luck making Beethoven better. Well, like, improve, like, like improve on the language, you know, improve on the things that he did, you know, all these different ways he did his sonata form and, and his expositions were longer than everybody else's. And then they all made themselves make sense and were explained that type of things like, okay, he left this big, huge mark. Do I continue to follow that path and try to work in his shadow and, and, or do I completely break that? completely go off the rails and not do that. And, and uh, Hemingway talked about that too, about living in the shadow of Dostoevsky. It's the oh, same thing. Okay. Like, do I try to be like Dostoevsky or do I try to be completely different than that? And that's what he did. That's what he did. It's more influenced by Impressionism and Gamelan music and functionally doesn't follow the rules. It sounds more like jazz. And he died in, in 19... 17 i guess yeah so jazz didn't even exist yet right no huh. so it's very very different the the, the way he thought the, the things that he did uh i still it's right here i mean like, <laughs> yeah I, I see that score it's right here i mean yeah, you know i practice stuff almost every day like before i go out and go work like i wake up and practice this stuff and bach and everything else yeah and the ideas are interesting and and they're still unique. Wow! So okay. I think that it's it's really fun to draw from that because I don't hear anybody else I, I, doing that. I mean, maybe not on purpose. I hear movie scores do things that uh, he does all the time. Maybe, and that could be, you know, again, not directly a draw, but somebody else who did it, and then like, oh, well, that sounds like that sounds cool. I'll do it. Yeah, you know, I have no idea, but uh, yeah, yeah. I put him very high on the list of like awesome people I'd like to meet. Well, good luck with that. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I, it sounds like I need to listen to some Claude Debussy because yeah, I didn't, I really did not know much about him. I just know, Oh, classical piano. Okay, great. I'm going to ask about that. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I love when people, that's why I always throw that question in who are your musical influences? Because sometimes they are so, unexpected based on what your actual band's music sounds like it's yeah I, I it just crops to, up in like, interesting ways listen to the preludes his piano preludes and and each, each one of those is like something you were supposed to see in your mind when you listen to it which again that was completely different than yeah you know, programming music from the you know completely different and and consider where they were in time Right, what, like, at like end of the nineteenth century, right? Yeah, so like okay. Wagner, you know, Wagner, Brahms, guys that followed that trajectory of the Beethoven, you know, the Juggernauts, and, and these guys come along, and it's like they're breaking every rule in the book, but it sounds great, and it's musicologists can't even—they're like, well, it sounds good because uh, because uh, the, and then they have to make up some shit. <laughs> 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 it's you know the Heimlich maneuver did it like they just have to make things up to because that's what music theory ever was it's just ways to make up sounds good like okay well this sounds good why 
Mm. You know, so then somebody has to come up with some reason why. And, and not yeah. that the reasons aren't valid, but it's not the other way around. It's not like Mr. Debussy is like, oh, well, I'm going to break this rule of parallel fits moving in the same direction because blah, 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 blah. it's not like that. Yeah. Is that something that is hard for you to impress upon your students? I don't know what ages of students you teach, but I think particularly with how technically advanced a lot of musicians are and with YouTube and all these, you know, oh, look at Tim Henson's guitar playthrough. I feel like a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I really have to know music theory or else I'm never going to be a good musician. I think that's probably just complete bullshit. No, I think... I have students that are old enough. I mean, I have students that have already gone off to college, like music college or whatever. Otherwise, Um, I I think that what I tell them is anything you see on the Internet, you have to take a huge grain of salt because most of it's fake. Okay, Uh, the Tim Henson's Tosin Abbasi's of the world are niche people. Okay, we saw Tosin Abbasi at NAM. Well, not Kyle, but, uh, you know, we saw him at NAM. And everybody that was watching him looked like the comic book guy from The Simpsons. Okay? <laughs> like, there is a place for those kinds of guys. Mm-hmm. They're the like the upper ubermensch, you know, experimenters that could come up with this weird, crazy shit that filters down just like a Debussy, you know. Mm-hmm. And and then the the plebes like us like get to cherry pick <laughs> little things that we can add to our vocabulary. But yeah. too much of that is really hard to handle. Yeah. And I feel and, like um, like me who's – I'm not super music theory inclined. Like I kind of – I have a super basic understanding of it. But to me, it's like if I write anything, like does it sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like let's mess around with it. And then really like – No, I, you can't put a tritone here. Right. You know. it's, it's, you're not allowed music theory says you can yeah, well, yeah. and and i don't know if adam neely on on youtube oh, i don't love I, him yeah, he he love he him. Cut, he explains it really well to where it's basically music theory is not like science it's basically yeah. ways that musicians communicate what they're doing to other musicians uh, so yeah like the rules like it's it's more like you know, it, it sounds this way and it can resolve this way. And it generally has like a pleasing feeling or whatever, but like you can break it. It's yeah, a lot no, easier. No to one's break stopping the, you. Right. It's a lot right. easier to break the rules and have it make sense. If you kind of know what the rules are and you have a better, better foundation of it. But as far as, you know, like, Oh, I need to know music theory to get started. Like to under like, no, like just, just mess around with it. And if it sounds good, great. Like, you know, go from there and then later on if you're like well what exactly am i doing you know then you can kind of look into like oh okay like you know different kinds of modes and like modulations and all and all that stuff that you can learn all that later but as you know as far as just writing the music you don't you don't need music theory to even like really crack at it it helps but it's definitely not right a requirement to it's not like if you want to you know, major in mathematics or whatever, become like a nuclear physicist. Like you need to know yeah, like yeah. all these things up there. It's like you can, you can just write. And if it sounds good and people like it, like it'll, it'll, people will listen. And it, you know, I mean, that's, sell, so. that's what Rick Rubin said in an interview recently. He's like, uh, yeah, I've, I've created award-winning soundtracks and albums and I don't actually have any fucking idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I 
I just go, I like the sound of this in my head. And I somehow communicate it to other much more talented people than me who make it happen. And I I think that's a, a really good ethos to get behind no matter what musical project you're in, which Speaking of that, I, I took this little note off of the comments off of your new single, Living Dead, and I, I really liked this. Um, I don't know which one of you guys wrote it. I'm assuming, Mike, that you said, the making of this record was all about the old school punk rock philosophy. Write some half-decent songs, try to tell a story, get some guys in a room, mic the room and play the best stuff you can and let people decide if it's worth listening to. Uh, in this 55 minutes we've been talking, I can tell that's obviously your ethos, but I mean, how how does that kind of spill over into everything you're doing with this new record? Just kind of putting it out there. Well, it's simple. You know, throwing a shitload of money at a problem doesn't solve every problem. <laughs> okay, we we will play with bands, and I and this has always been a, a thing with me, is we'll we'll, we'll play these band with these bands that are trying to compete using throwing money at a problem. There's 15 people at the bar and there's four bands and the band that gets up there has $7,000 worth of gear, in-ear yeah. monitors, axe effects, wireless units, new guitars. They look like shit. They play like shit. They play just as bad as us or better or whatever. <laughs> we're equals, right? Like we're equals, yeah. not in, in ethos, but in, in, you know, ability to draw, right? right. Ability to right. like make, make the, make the bar owner want us to come back. Right. Yeah. That doesn't work. Okay, all this technology has not done shit for anybody as far as getting people interested in their music. If anything, it's created a, a sameness that makes it all so bland that it's worth nothing. Okay, it, it, and it, again, this is like completely me. So like old school, the way we used to do it old school was we would mic a room, like the drums, no click track, digital, like minimal digital, minimal auto-tune, no auto-tune, no nothing, yeah. really. Basically play the best you can and be okay with as good or bad as that is. And call there's, it a day. There's the G.G. Allen coming out. Pretty much. <laughs> there's, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, but I don't see like any reason to try to polish it and make it as, as perfect as a Taylor Swift record. Mm-hmm. No one is here for that. It's not doing any good for the people that are doing it, that are trying to compete with commercial pop artists with like layers of things underneath your metal record. It's like you're supposed to be rebels. What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Now you're just now you're just quantizing it and using get good drums just like everybody else is. Like, I I, I guess like the only reason you could do maybe when I if I was like 20 I'd be like, oh, this is so cool. I don't even have to get a drummer to play with me anymore. It's like, no, that's not – you're supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to play with yes. other people. Like part of it is the struggle of working an idea out with people in a room and, and making it bigger than what you could do on your own. Yeah, it's like um, talking about how like technology is kind of you know, sort of streamlined and kind of – homogenize just music production in general the, the moment someone said like pointed out like oh yeah these drums are programmed it like you start hearing it and you're yep. like oh okay like i can oh these songs are programmed and then like you know like you listen to something with like blast beats like oh every single hit is perfect so right. it's yeah. like okay like this is 
like it, it almost pulls it out a little bit once you know what it sounds like and like what they're doing. Cause it's like, Oh, like they don't have a drummer who's actually like doing it. They just, cause it's, it's way cheaper to do it. So it's I totally get to why it, people right. do it. But like, and you don't have to practice, you know, you uh, practice. 15, 15 hours a week. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, you do have to practice at how to program music. I, it's hard right. for me. But you know what I can do is I can just go play some blast briefs on my freaking drum set. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But um, it's uh, just to, like taking the shortcuts as whenever we were doing this album, it was the first I've only done one other album before this. So I can't I don't have okay. a whole lot of experience. But the the first album that I ever did, it was it was the, you know, the the standard way nowadays where it's on a click track program drums. Um, they really wanted to program the bass, but I was, I kind of like put my foot down. I was like, if I'm going to put music on a record, like it's going to be my bass and I want to play it. Yeah. And like, okay. Like, so then why, they kind of relented. And, why, and, why even have a bassist if they're like, no, bro, I'm, we're just going to program you in. Like, yeah. And like, well, it's a lot cheaper. It's like, I'll pay for it. Like I'll pay the studio time that it takes to do that. Like I, I want my base to be on a record and like, you know, out yeah. there, but, but anyway, so, and like, it was all through a click track and it, it was all that. So kind of going back sort of like the old school way where it's not on the click track and it's all just, okay, you record the drums and like, if the drummer speeds up, all right, like you kind of have to like feel like that. Yep. That, that ebb and flow of that rhythm and it kind of it does make a more organic sound because you can even i mean if you listen to some of these songs like you can if you like you know snap your finger to the beat like you can feel like it kind of like ebb and flow yeah go up and down and ebb and flow <laughs> yeah. a little bit and it's, well, it's, it's it's like inventing the wheel and then going back to having just a triangle it's like hey i'm gonna make this uh you know audio unit instrument for your daw and then i'm gonna add like like you know, no offense to solemn tones. I use solemn tones to program guitar ideas because I don't play guitar. But like, it literally has a dial that says "humanize." Like, right. oh, let me just turn this up and pretend to. <laughs> it's like it, we're like equating making mistakes with being more human. When I really don't think that's at the heart of it. It's the essence of experimentation. It's the essence of how you and other musicians in a room are interacting with one another. I think that's what you'd have to capture if you're trying to make a person who's a musician into a button you click. I don't think you right. can. And I, I do think that there are some really neat things that are coming from like the technology, like Tim Henson kind of, I saw an interview with them a while ago and he did talk about how he does use like sort of like AI and like our arpe- like arpeggio makers to like, kind of at least like get ideas of like what yeah what what's what sounds kind of he's like oh i like never thought of it that way and I, that's kind of cool and that's kind of like his signature like it it sounds almost like electronic what he does but he plays it and it's like if you ever you know tim henson's great so if you ever like see him play it's just it's nuts what he does but it, it's so unnatural and a lot of it it seems to come from sort of like you know, listening to this stuff and kind of picking like, oh, this is like kind of cool. So it, it like that stuff's neat, but like for I'd say 90, 99.9% of musicians out there who are just in, you know, with their with a group of people who are just trying to make music, like I don't know if that's the way to go using that technology. Yeah. Like it's an it's a tool. And you gotta use it like a yes. tool. You can't rely on it. It's like, okay, like I I put it through this thing, it made a cool melody. All right, 
copy paste into like the doll. I like okay, call it a day. You know, it's yeah. You now, now do, do now do it in a room on your instrument with your hands and your feet. At, right. You know, try yeah. it. See where it goes. See how it sounds different. See how it doesn't. That sort of thing. The thing that yeah. I re- like, the thing I notice is like all the music I like doesn't do that. It doesn't just go like that. Yeah. In doing doing live theater, it never does that. Right. <laughs> even when it's yeah. on, even when the lights are on click tracks. Mm-hmm. Or the sound, or the patch changes for the keyboards, or anything like that, is on a click track. It still doesn't work that way. Because yeah. if one actor flubs a line, or somebody misses a cue, or something happens, everybody has to improvise. Or because if it's on a grid, it's it's fucked. Yeah, and a hundred percent. That's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know, I I have like a list of general questions I always ask, and and the one question I was going to ask is, you know, basically two things you guys have already answered for me. What would you change about the music industry and the musical ecosystem? And then what is your philosophy about music and creating it? But I mean, the the past five minutes you've given me like the best rundown on that. I think you possibly could. You know, everything is a tool. You mm-hmm. cannot rely on it, and I guess mistakes are kind of a natural part of the process. So even the instruments aren't perfect. Yeah. Yeah. People forget that. There's nothing perfect about how, how a keyboard is, is tuned, how, how a guitar is built, mm-hmm. like how the tuning works on. None of that is perfect. Mm-hmm. Nothing. None of it is. The, yeah. The guitar amps. None of it's perfect. I don't understand the idea of perfection, chasing perfection. It just seems like such a waste such a waste yeah. of time and even like even like <laughs> when when things become imperfect a lot of times they they introduce new ideas um i'm not a big history of rock and roll kind of person but i like the first like fuzz distortion guitar sound um was really apparently it was it was like some oldies sort of like recorded in the 50s uh song and i think it was the bass uh, the bass, there was like a bass line, a walking bass line, kind of like in the middle of a song. And what happened was in the recording studio, like the transformer blew on the cone or on the speaker. Cone. Oh, so like okay. it, it just, and they were just like, well, it sounds kind of cool. So we'll just sounds record cool. it. Cause yeah. like, what do we do? Like, we can't just replace this. We, you know, we're on the clock. Yeah. So, and like that sound is just, it's like a fuzz distortion and like it, it's i mean it's archaic it's old it doesn't have like a lot of the modern like you know stuff that mm-hmm. we like to hear but it's like because of just that one recording where it it you know it it was a fuzz distortion no one had ever heard it before and it kind of like took off at the time yeah. then you had like guitar, you know, pedal manufacturers trying to like replicate that sound. And then that has evolved to like, you know, like super saturated distortion and just like, <laughs> like different kind of fuzz distortions. And like, they all have these different yeah. characteristics and it's, it's all because they're like, whoops, the tool broke. We'll, we'll try to make it work, I guess. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just kind of neat how, you know, it, things like that can, you know, evolve into what things are nowadays. It, if if the urban legend is to be believed, I think that's what happened with Phil Collins recording with Genesis with gated reverb, I think. I think it was like the sound engineer accidentally clicked the wrong switch and he left the thing on to capture his drum mics that basically yeah. like bounced it back twice or whatever it did and it gave it that really closed in sound and then like every freaking band in the 80s was like, this sounds dope, I'm gonna do yeah. it. So it's just a complete 
complete mistake that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. I didn't know that though about distortion. That's like, that's awesome. It's yeah. It was like in the, I would, I wish I knew all this stuff because it sounds like I'm just making it all up, but like it, it, it was the kinks. It the, maybe uh, I can't. Let me pull. I'll pull a Joe Rogan. Uh, Jamie, uh, look that up. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> let me see. Uh, the Kinks and discovering distortion. Let's see if that's. I don't know if it was. Like, that may have been like another. I can't remember what song it was, but it was. Oh. Uh, yeah. How. How Dave Davies's slashed amp created rock distortion. There you go. Uh, yeah, there, there's, there's a, a slash. Yeah, yeah, there's slash amps too, and that that was another thing I can't remember. I want to say what is a slash amp? It's where they literally took a razor blade and just cut the cone. Cut the cone. Yeah, yeah. and then that was that was how they got the distorted sound back in the day before no there were stomp boxes or anything like that. So, yeah. Um, wow. I do know it. The the bit of it were. If you do want to look into like the fuzz distortion thing specifically, mm-hmm. it it is mentioned in a Rob Scallion YouTube video <laughs> about I love him too. It's yeah, he's he's really great. But it's it's in a Rob Scallion YouTube video about I think it's like the world's largest guitar pedal collection or something like oh, that. God. And they talk about fuzz pedals and okay. like they they go into it and they don't yeah. they don't play the clip because YouTube DMCA copyright stuff, but they right. mention the song and then you can look it up and you're like oh like that's 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 a fuzz you know it's so huh. but yeah like the and and just you know it's like like how we talked before like breaking the rules and breaking the norms and like does it sound cool like is it technically what you're supposed to do no but it it sounds cool so let's move with it and, and try it out and it it catches on sometimes so being that this is obviously a musical conversation about both of you guys and your band, uh, but it's also meant to be promotional for this new album. So let's let's chat new album stuff. Uh, you know, what are you proudest about with it? What are you looking forward to with audience takeaway? And, you know, give me the scoop on it. I'm, I'm happy it's done. <laughs> you did say that earlier. Why? Yeah, I, because it, it, it's again like COVID really stopped everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it was pretty much done before then. Oh, and so you you just had to sit on it for like two years, and then pretty finally much. sit on it, find new members, teach them the material, and then have them go away or or stay or whatever. And yeah, just regroup the entire thing. And then relearn the songs and then, you know, just, yeah, it, it's, it, it's so difficult to, to, to finish things when mm-hmm. it, just normally in, in life, there's so many reasons why you don't, why you, you know, could not do something. Yeah. You know? Cause it's like, it's not like I'm like, we're going to suddenly be famous or maybe, you know, who knows, but like, it's not, that can never be a concern. Yeah. Really just like, I want to finish this because it's important to me mm-hmm. and important to the group for it to be done. Right. And yeah, you know, COVID, all the death and destruction and horror and everything else that happened because of that and all the ramifications of after the fact of people putting their lives back together and everything else, even then, it's, it's, it, yeah, I can't even, I'm just so happy that it's done. I'm, ha- I'm happy that it's done. And that we got to do it our way, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, we, I, we found an engineer, Joe, who was like nice enough to kind of hear me. I'm like, Joe, listen, like it's basically a live album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This That's is how we're doing what it. We're making like, we're going to mm-hmm. make a live album 
that, you know, I'm going to get a couple extra passes to do the vocals right if I fuck the words up. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I will say shout out to Joe over at um, Red Planet Music Studios uh, where we did the recording uh, because um, I really liked his way of just how to get the rec- like the recording done. Um, sort of like previous experiences I had with getting an album recorded uh it it seemed like the the sound engineer like really wanted to make it like it's kind of hard to describe but like they wanted to basically sort of make it their creation Mm -hmm. like almost not to supersede you but like they really wanted to input their ideas and sort of like put it in there um I don't want to, I'm not trying to name names or anything, but there were like certain instances in the previous and my previous um, project that I was involved in, like the engineer would like sneak in things that he thought sounded cool. And like, wow. we're just like, okay, yeah. like, no, like we you're not want, in the band. Like we <laughs> want it this way. It. Like, yes, it yeah. does sound cool. Like you're, you're right. It sounds cool, but we want it this way. Cause it is our project and we're paying you the money to, do our project and it was it was always like a constant like you have to really listen every single pass through just in case if there was something snuck in there that he thought sounded good and he had the best intentions like it was i'm not trying to like make it sound like he's like this nefarious you know person that did these things you know to to make him bigger than you know no it's it's more just he would do little little tweaks but but um at the album that we recorded it it was you know, he was just like, all right, yep, yeah, that's good. And then like, he, he would definitely like, just, he listened to us like, this is what you want. Okay. And then he, he did his best to make it sound great. Yeah. And you know, like whenever, like my, my bass has like distortion on it, uses a dark glass stomp pedal. If you, if you know about those. I know. Things, I, all, I just know about dark glass, but I don't know much else about it. Yeah. It's, it's like, I, I could talk about gear forever, but anyway, um, it, uh, it, he he like made a comment because he was miking up the cab. He's like, I don't think I've ever mic'd up three microphones for a bass, but here we are. <laughs> and and so like he because he had to like because you know I was like I want like this kind of like scratchy you know heavy and like thick sounding bass. He's like, all right, and then he like messed with it for like thirty minutes and it it sounds great. Like he he picked up everything and it's just it, it's just awesome what he what he could do with it. And that's probably like just like the whole recording process, like in the studio is one of, is, you know, Mike said it took forever, but like from my perspective, when I'm in here, like it only took six weeks, maybe two months to like get everything recorded in the studio, which from four sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Four sessions. How many tracks are on the new album? Uh, 10. Yeah. 10. Oh, okay. That feels pretty realistic. It seems like you guys didn't waste a whole lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, previous previous project there it, it i was in that band for eight years one mm-hmm. album whoa it, there were a lot of reasons yeah. why it took that long but yeah. one of them was just it it just took forever and like yeah. we, we did probably eight nine ten eleven twelve sessions and it was a six album track like it wasn't uh, it wasn't like man. a big thing and it just yeah. it just took years and years and years to get that thing out but here it's and, you know two days two days of tracking the entire band and probably two days of bass and vocals wow and then yeah maybe one more day or two on top of that to, to fix things i i think maybe that's maybe six days of total time yeah 
It was it was yeah, a rough throughout time because it cost money to do it. But right, right, like six maybe six or seven sessions tops. It, it was a breath of fresh air. <laughs> like, I was just gonna say, yeah, yeah, Kyle, your your background in like completely the opposite style of band where everything is like no no no, it has to be to the T, and mm-hmm. then you're just like, we're gonna give this our best shot. It sounds great. <laughs> like, turns out you could have just not worried about it. But yeah. I mean, obviously, different strokes for different folks. Right. Yeah, like I, you I said, got to be a f- like, breath of fresh air. There was a tune where uh, whatever the hell I wrote for you to do is like just ridiculous, <laughs> right? You had mm-hmm. the chart in front of you, and you're like struggling with it, and and we're trying to figure out what to do. It was one of the songs that we never even rehearsed. Oh right, <laughs> right. nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because like we just we probably won't play it. So like, what's the point? Right. So like, <laughs> we're, I'm looking at I'm looking at what I wrote, and I'm like, this is like stupid. Why don't we yeah. just make it easier? Yeah. Now no, I really want to play what's on the page. And I'm just like, it's not like there's like a like a dump truck full of pussy like waiting at the door. <laughs> <laughs> if you get it right, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Just make it easier. Here's your, yeah. here's your carrot dangling. Right. Uh, it doesn't right. matter at all. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, fine. And then you know we just simplified it, and it's well, it, it, uh, it sounds great. Like it, you know that, you you wanted to never I, know. That's what I said to my band, and we all said we all agreed this. We went, guys, if we fuck this up, who is gonna know other than us? Like, right. Until you said it now on this podcast, nobody previously besides you two gentlemen would ever have known that the bass part was different for that song. No, I don't even know what it is. I don't remember. Right. I just remember saying that because we both laughed, and, and then it got done in like a second. It got yeah, done yeah. In one pass. And no, that's a great philosophy, though. If it was really bad, I'd remember even what it was. I just remember it was one of the ones that we never play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was just one that like I had like no real practice in. I was like, oh, this right. is like really hard. It's like just just make it easier. Like just make okay. it easier for okay. God's sake. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. So <laughs> when, and if you're a competent musician, you can do that stuff on the fly, and it you're probably going to be happier with the end result anyway, right? So right. Yeah. Well, there I have think been it really is like like. If you if you hire a painter to come paint your fucking house, you're not going to be like, well, you should use a, a purdy brush and it needs to be a three. <laughs> like, no, I'm paying you to do it. Like, yeah, do it the way you think it's best. Right. And then if you if you get stuck, okay, we got to make it easier. Like, this is not again. You know, it ain't like uh, somebody's going to come over to my house and be like, oh my god, your paint is so great. I'm going to give you a truck full of money now for this house. Like, it's still yes. going to be worth the same. Like, mm-hmm. right. Uh so many great little takeaways on creating and philosophy in this. It's, again, you know, and, and I've heard a lot of these sentiments before, but you guys both really seem to be on the, the same page about, you know, why you do what you do. And so I guess, you know, as we're starting to wind down with some closing questions, I do want to ask then, okay, you get this album out, you're excited to just start working on new stuff. What are your goals for the future? Just more albums and more music. Yep. Just, just that, keep, that keep having fun question. with the process. Yeah, it'll be fun. So. We have two more videos to shoot, one more video to release, and then two more after that. And those will be fun because those are always weird and fun. And you got, again, like... Are they traditional music videos or like the lyric video you did with Living Dead, which is really cool? We got cool. another lyric video, and then we're going to shoot two like legit videos. Mm. Legit mm-hmm. meaning like, you know, somebody eating a sandwich for... Seven minutes. minutes. Yeah. Yes. Nice. <laughs> and then um, I'm not sure how we're going to do the other one yet, or how we we we've kind of been going back and forth about how we're going to do that one. Yeah. But that's always fun, uh, and that'll be that'll be good. And then yeah, I, I really just all about finishing stuff, getting stuff done, 
and, and getting it out there and letting things fall where it does and just going out and performing. I mean, that's really yeah. all there is to it. I don't, I don't think you can improve upon that that much. So um, I'm going to ask both of you guys then some more individual questions as we get close to the end. But um, a question I always like to throw in just now that I've known you for an hour and 20 minutes here uh, is to ask if any artists were alive, living or dead, who would you want to talk to and what would you ask them? I have a feeling Claude Debussy is going to be your answer, Mike, but it's okay. If probably, it's not. I would probably ask, um, Bach, how, how did he have so many kids? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have kids of your own? No, but he had 20. Oh, really? Christ. Well, poor wife. Oh, <laughs> with, with one, with one woman, one wow. woman. Yeah, serial was, monogamist over yeah, here. Man. Holy wow. cow! Yeah, Shit. how did he ever have time? He wrote so much music. How did he ever have time to write so much fucking music when he was so busy and, fucking? Yeah, right. 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 <laughs> his wife, my god. <laughs> Do you think he was like in her, and he's like writing stuff on? I don't know. Maybe like, you know. Man. I think. I think partially for him, <laughs> writing and having children was be was about being closer to God. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of that, a lot of his mindset might have been sketched, and he probably was compelled. He yeah. probably just couldn't stop. <laughs> Both. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I didn't know he had that many children. Holy. Yeah, that's not, I, I don't know that. Yeah, that's, he had that's so nuts. many children, and like his output is. Crazy. Crazy. The amount of uh, music he wrote is crazy. Seminally and musically. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, yeah. I I don't know how you're gonna talk <laughs> that question. I, I, but... I won't, but I'll 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 take a crack. So okay. <laughs> um honestly, it would probably be um it probably be like probably like Wayne Static from Static X. Yeah. Really? So yeah. Big fan. So, like growing up it was my first concert was a Sadagax concert mm. when I was 16 years old I went to the Trocadero uh, or the oh, Troc uh, yeah, is, that's, yeah that's in Philly right yeah it, well it used to be it's gone it's, now it's gone uh, okay. yeah rest in peace heard but, of, heard um, but he was he like really he, he was like the first sort of like you know screaming heavy metal like besides Linkin Park but you know Linkin Park is like the gateway band but Sadagax I feel like was like the more like heavier extreme band that mm-hmm. I really got into. Um, and I was, I was really inspired by him as a kid and just always, always kind of like resonated with me. Um, and now that I kind of like knew, you know, drug addictions, and like his kind of like troubled, you know, life that, that he had, I think it'd just be really neat. Cause he seemed like a really humble guy who, mm-hmm. um, you know, was, would just be like cool to like, you know, drink a beer, or, like smoke a cigarette or like, you know, just like hang out with. And, um, yeah, you know, just just seem like a really, really, really cool dude to just, you know, hang out with for, for an evening, you know, learn, learn right. about, you know, how he came to be. Because like his his um, musical influences was like a lot of sort of like the 90s industrial mixed oh, with yeah. like the heavy metal. And I always I, I love the mixing of genres um, mm-hmm. because I a lot of like the music that I'm into now is like it. um <laughs> 
I like to call it turn that shit off core because it's just like super like <laughs> abrasive and like super crazy. But a lot of it is um, <laughs> I'm using that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 great. Like like uh, like meth witch or whatever is a great example. Oh, if you if you witch, meth witch. witch. Yeah, yeah, it's turn that shit off core. Turn that shit off core. Yeah, it's 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 great. But um. Uh, but like a lot, but even like the the meshing of the genres and um, like a lot of like the EDM heavy metal and just sort of like like glitchy kind of stuff, like I think is really cool sounding. Um, so you probably kinda, listen. You probably listen to the algorithm, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, listen to that a lot. Um, there's another band called I think it's Drummer Core, like. <laughs> or drum core like spelled c-o-r-p-s oh yes yes um yeah and they're super like they're super glitchy and like have like a lot of like the electronic influences that i think are really cool and he and he was like one of the one of the guys that sort of introduced me to that idea of you know mixing and mashing genres like that into like a new unique way and i think that'd just be really cool to you know talk to him and you know kind of get get his ear on that small aside but because i know you lived in columbus for what you said almost 10 years um did you ever get to see a show at al rosa villa before they closed that place too I where, got to, where dime bag was shot i got to play a show there oh fuck. actually that, was that weird i it, mean was that weird being you know on funny? the same stage that that guy died on i mean i didn't know until after i was done playing no i was in the back and there's like oh yeah dime bag daryl got shot here i was like what (laughs) i was like holy shit like really i I saw a devil driver and ginger there with some friends Mm -hmm. out of state and that was an eerie feeling it was a very very strange place to be apparently if you pull back some of those posters that were on the wall you could still see like the bullet holes that were there oh my god yeah what yeah apparently i again i had not I knew yeah. that Dimebag Daryl like was, was was killed in Columbus. Like I knew I knew that mm-hmm. abstractly, but I didn't know that it was like at the venue that I had just played a set at thirty Ugh. minutes ago. Like it was it was one of those things where yeah, um, but yeah, it was kind of that area of town was a little bit well, yeah, uh huh, little mess. Yes. But um, it, it it was a little sad to find to like read that, but it was probably for the best to because it it was kind of a it yeah. was a dump. Uh, yeah, was, even when but... he got shot there it was a dump. Mm-hmm. like it wasn't Ugh. yeah they did close it down they they, they tore it down i like think they, they t- completely raised it yeah a couple yeah. couple years ago maybe it was i remember I, I messaged both of my two friends that had also driven in from out of state to see the show because that was like before ginger really blew up so they weren't touring everywhere at that point so uh i messaged both my friends i was like well i guess i'm glad we got to see a show there because right. you know it's kind of weird um Oh, okay. Just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, here's another maybe little off off kilter one for you. But what's the best album you've listened to in the last month? Um, if you can think of it, it is. Uh, I can tell you right now, it is um, Periphery Five. Gent is not a not a genre. I was waiting for you to say it. It. I literally. It's the only thing I've listened to for the past week and a half. Like it Holy just. Shit. It. I'm still absorbing it. It's so it. I don't know because it you was in fun- your genre blending. I, I genre can see blending. why you like it. Yeah, but it's it's very because like I've I've been a fan of Periphery for a few years now, um, and just to kind of like hear, like yeah, they're prog, like they're they're prog metal through and through. Um, yes. But like even to kind of hear like how they've progressed because I listened to it whenever they're on P three. I can't remember what that mm-hmm. one was called, but uh, like, th- 
I forget. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's one with like Marigold and, and yes. um, all that stuff on it. And then the fourth one came out and that was kind of like a unique like jump forward. But I feel like this one, it, like the just like the mix and just how it like it's just like a fat, big, wide sound and and like even um the vocalist is just like it it's like right in your face it's super clear and it's like so well done apparently there's no auto-tune on his vocals from really what he said yeah from what he huh. said there's no auto-tune on his vocals there so like his when he hits those notes it like it's like a nap it has like an organic natural sort of like it it it's it settles there it doesn't just smack it right on that yeah. note like some of his previous albums did mm-hmm. um it's just great like every single time that i listen to it it's like i i pick up something new um it, it is chock full of stuff i will it, say that it, it is chock full of stuff and it was it was kind of funny because i was um it, whenever we were we were working with um getting our lyric video and they sent it to they sent it to us for like you know to like hey look over if you need any changes you know let us know and um i was listening to that i was listening to the periphery album you know ju- just then and then like that email came through and then i listened to it i was just like oh man their mixes are really good <laughs> it's like it's like it's like a whole it's the complete opposite of what you guys are doing yeah it's like because okay. yeah, they they do land on perfection and like they do try to make it like as great sounding as possible but like they they do it they they do it with purpose. It's not just oh, okay. Let's just make it perfect to, to make it you know easy on us. Like they, you can tell that right. they spend a lot of time to make it sound the way it sounds. They could, you can't really do this stuff live. They'll like do like a recording off of it or like a track live. But mm-hmm. it's it's still it for what it is. It's super great, and I've just been basically blasting it nonstop for the past like ten days. Fair enough. So. As soon as we're done here, I'll probably pop it on and keep listening <laughs> to it. So I, I I do have to give it another go, Mike. What about yourself? So this month is like the busiest month for theater. Okay, but, rec- recently, I guess. Uh, um, whatever Smith's album has, uh, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now on. I know nothing about the Smiths, I will totally uh, admit. I'm I had sorry. A student, like, I had a student who was into them, and uh, I had to transcribe one of their songs, and Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now is the song. And uh, the video for it, they're like in – it looks like they're in like – like uh, WWF Hell in a Cell. Yeah, it's like New Wave Morrison. Okay. Yeah. But the video for it is super weird. The the guitar player looks like like Agent Smith. Uh there's like chain link fencing behind them, like they're in a s like a cage match, and there's balloons and fog. And okay. Morrison's wearing a suit, but he has a tree in his pants. He has a tree in his pants. Yeah, like anytime he gets up to kind of put his hand, because he's like gesticulating and dancing, and every time he would turn, there's like a tree branch coming out of his his pants. All right. I was like, what the the hell (laughs) is this? So I I, I didn't know shit about, I like the song. I mean, it's it's cool. His delivery is just so weird. Like, how does he get away with this, with like just crazy charisma that he's like, the way he dances and sings, it's like so odd uh, to me. And so like I, I, I dove into that record before all this crap now, like all it's like yeah. nonstop shows. But I, it, it's a great record. I, I didn't think about that, though. You being a music teacher, you're kind of stuck listening to the stuff your students want you to help them learn. Right. I mean, for better or for worse. 
for me, uh, it's kind of like it's a little bit of that, but then it's really just like, okay, I have to really, really know just so many different things. I mean, I compare, I always talk about it like it's like martial arts, mm-hmm. right? It, it's or or ballet or or you know tap. It, it's everything, every little move, every little song, every little thing. It's just a dance. Mm-hmm. Every little thing in, in 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 music is just a dance, and and every step is what I have to teach somebody. A chord to a chord is a dance. How many yeah. steps are in this dance? Like how many steps? What kind of dance are you doing if, if you're telling this story and it's over time? It's, it's all just all these like dance moves and, and dance things or martial arts, you know, steps or kata or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really just becomes like philosophical. Yeah. Searching for how, how to best convey that to somebody else, <laughs> you know, and, and uh how to go even further from there, like how to make that make more sense, how to deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Cause the, the technical thing is like solved like that part. Much Practice, yeah. get better. You can, practice, you can work on that. Get yeah. Practice, <laughs> get, get better. You know, okay. But what am I practicing? Why? What's mm-hmm. the point? You know, what, what am I trying to get from this? Right. How does it affect the vocabulary that I already have? How do I use what I'm doing, but on a subconscious level, so I'm not thinking about it? Because if I do, it just sounds like shit. It sounds yeah. like I'm thinking about it. It sounds fake. It sounds lame. You know, I I have so many things from this interview that I have to like run and write down or something as I go listen back because I I think there's just a lot of really meaningful takeaways from both of you just about the creative process in general that I hadn't really you know articulated that way, but um. To ultimately ruin your night, then now I'm going to ask you my final question, unless there are other things you guys want to say about the record. But my my one I always slap you on the nose with at the end is if you could only listen to three albums for the rest of your life, what would they be and why? And then I have to answer this right your, now. Or you can make Kyle go first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me pull my Spotify here, but. Uh... Probably, I think for nostalgic sake, it probably one of them would be Meteora from Lincoln Park. Um, mm-hmm. It's it. I grew up listening, and you can you can feel and pity me, but I grew up listening to contemporary Christian music because of the household I grew up in. So it was okay. like it, it was on the radio. Um, like yeah, I listened to like Britney Spears and NSYNC, you know, in like the '90s, just like the really popular stuff. But like, never listened to rock and roll because like my parents weren't big like rock and roll people. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom would always put on a, the contemporary Christian radio station. Um, and it's funny, like my youth pastor when I moved here in Pennsylvania, he actually introduced me to Lincoln Park. I was like, oh, what? Yeah. Like your he, pastor he was, did of all people. Pastor did. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So like he, and so like he introduced it to me. So it like, it gave my parents the okay. You know, yeah. they may not like <laughs> what it sounds, but like, okay. Like, you know. Okay. Not, but did you tell your parents about skillet and thousand foot crutch and switchfoot and all the other, um, they, did, they did all the amazing Christian metal bands that right. were out there. They didn't like hit me though. Um, like Lincoln park did. Uh, Lincoln park was definitely like sort of like my, uh like the gateway uh probably number two um would be um 
Jacob Astoris's um, self-titled album uh, with like Donna Lee and Portrait of Tracy. Um, Makes sense as a bassist. Yeah, but like he 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 did so much to like influence um, a lot of the sound and just like lots of people can talk about Jacob Astoris better than I could, but he, he just, it, it's really an influential, just, it's crazy the things that he could do on the bass at the time that he was up. And, you know, it's a shame, you know, that he, he died so young. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, he apparently was very difficult to work with, but like he was just a savant and just was crazy and just really like took everything there was to know about the bass and then just like, flipped it inside out and found more stuff and then and then evolved from it. And there are people who, um, you know, just keep going on. Um, and probably a third one, I think, uh, from Mars to Cirrus, uh, from uh, Gojira. Yes. I, every single time that that pops up on my Spotify, it's like, all right, got to listen to the whole album now because it's, it's just through and through just like a solid, like, and they're, they're like in, I think they're drop D like they're not a super low tuning band, but it's just like they somehow that album, they just made it, they made it hit so hard. And like every (laughs) single time that I just, you know, I, I, I just listen to flying whales. I just, I just want to like, you know, just, you know, like rip (laughs) the steering wheel out of my car as I'm just like jamming to it. Like it's so, it's just, it's so good. So I think those are my three there. That is a tapestry approved answer. Yeah. I love <laughs> I love the first and the third. I ha- I shame on me. I know I barely can play the bass, but I've never listened to any of Jacko's stuff. I have to do that. He, yeah, I, think I that, would appreciate it. You, the Portrait of Tracy is a really good one. It's just because it he does a lot of harmonics, like pinch harmonics on the bass. And it, it's oh, that's wild. It, it's it's beautiful. Like there's no other okay. way to describe it other than it's just I, it's just it's just beauty on a bass. And it's 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 great. I can appreciate yeah, I good bass. He was a savant. Yeah, he's yeah. just straight up a savant. I don't think there's yeah. there's he many he, people like, like him. My teacher was said told me he couldn't play standards. No, because he but, he, but was he just could doing probably like, write the most amazing thing ever. Yeah, right. Wow. He's kind of like a he's kind of like a Victor. Yeah, he's like a yeah, Victor Wooten of his time. Play like you know all of me or you know on Green Dolphin Street. He couldn't do it. Right, because he yeah he just he just wanted so, to do his own stuff yeah, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mike, you've had a moment to think about it. <laughs> I wrote down uh, Asia from Steely Dan. Oh, great album. Okay. Yeah. Uh, kind of Blue from Miles Davis and um, the Classic. first Stray Cats record. The, what was the last one? The Stray Cats. Is that a punk band? Sort of. <laughs> okay. I... Uh, it, it was um, uh, like 80s throwback to rockabilly from the 50s. So it was um, oh. Brian Setzer. Okay. So like when they, you remember when Brian Setzer had his comeback in like the, I guess early two thousands when he did Jump Jive and Whale and then like swing music came back for like two years. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I do remember the swing. No, music No, but that's cool. Yeah, that's so that very was cool. Him. So he, it was wow. like you know, a guy playing rockabilly guitar with an orchestra behind him. Yeah. Uh, the first band he was in was the Stray Cats, and they had Stray Cat Strut and Rock This Town. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, Great okay. Record. I I was not familiar, but I you know this this whole interview has been kind of about taking pieces and things from another time and another influence and merging them with other stuff. So I think that's honestly a great way to that's a great way to end on that. You know, you can I can see how you guys both appreciate things that that endlessly weave into one another, and I think that's why 
I'm really looking forward to hearing this new album as much as you guys want to get it off your plate, but I'm, <laughs> I'm curious to dive in once it's out. So um, that album's coming out in April, right? What is the release date for that? Mid April, hopefully. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Coming up. Coming up. <laughs> Great. And then I always do a little shout out at the end, but if you could just before we go, just let people know where to find you on the internet and I will post links and stuff in the episode notes as well. Spotify, Facebook, you know. Just the use. The just usual the use. Yeah, we got the okay. Instagram. I will link everything, uh, you know, when this is all wrapped up. But otherwise, yeah, guys, thank you very much for spending your Monday night with me. I've learned a lot. I I think uh, your ethos is great. And, you know, hopefully you're moving on to more writing, more music. Like you said, that's, you know, what else is the point? So, that's it, man. Uh, yeah. It's just about writing and releasing things. Mm-hmm. I, it's the only thing that matters. Well, good luck with the album release. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing it. And um, thanks for, you know, giving me some cool things to chat about for a little over an hour. I appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having us. Really no problem. It was fun. Um, that's a wrap on episode 64. Um, just a reminder, these guys are out near... Pottstown, Delco, Eastern PA, totally other side of the state for me, but if I happen to have any listeners near Philly or that part of PA, please go check out Siberia. Also, um, I got an update on their Instagram handle. You can find them on Instagram under Siberia underscore Delco underscore official, and then their Facebook page is Siberia, but to get to it, you have to type in Bottom Feeder 666. So go look them up. They've been posting lyric videos and stuff leading up to the release. And don't forget to check out the new album Revive when it comes out. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>